just remind you of a couple of things. Don't forget, if you're going to Scotland or you're interested in going to Scotland, we've got a meeting right after this tonight. Room back there behind us. won't take very long. Just kind of give you some um, information. You can ask some questions if you need to. Also, if you're interested in Man to Man, which is the one-on-one discipleship program we're launching here for men, our deacons, leaders in the church, are going to take on younger men and walk with them through life. Uh, I'm going to have a sign-up sheet for you to sign up. I'll have it next week as well, but next week will probably be the last time we can sign up because we need to assign people. So if you're interested in that, please sign up so we can get you uh, connected with that. Tonight, we're going to continue our uh, new series in the life and writings of Peter. And remember last week, we discussed the question that will guide us through the entirety of this series. Why is it that you follow Jesus? We talked about last week that while certainly Peter was called and all the disciples were called somewhere along the way, they began seeking the exact same things that all the world seeks, but began to use Jesus as the means by which to get those very same things. There was not that transformative, regenerate nature that desires new things as a result of an encounter with Christ. They were desiring the same old things, but just found a new way to get those same old things. But that is not the case in Christianity. That should not be what you and I desire, because you and I, being made new, new creations in Christ, now desire new things, things that you and I didn't even know we wanted. Until the Holy Spirit of God spoke into our life and called us from death into life. We follow Jesus, not because he can give us the same thing that everybody else wants in some easy way. We follow Jesus simply because he has called us from darkness into light. And that might not sound like a very impactful statement, but my friend, if you've experienced darkness in your life, if you've experienced bondage in your life, if you felt there was a time in your life where there was no hope, for Jesus Christ to step down into that situation, speak peace over you, speak victory over you, and call you from darkness into life, that is a powerful, profound experience that should transform you to the core of your being. Praise be to God. That in our darkness, in our defeat, Jesus Christ did not turn a blind eye. But the light that was the light of men shone into our darkness and spoke new life into us. How can we not worship a God who does that for us? And this divine calling, which we've talked about, is meant to birth within us passion with conviction. We talked about last week that our generation oftentimes has passion, but not conviction. When the rubber meets the road, our passion fades very quickly. As soon as it costs us something, we give it up. That's passion without conviction. But what Jesus is calling us to, what certainly he has called Peter to, as we will see through the study of his life, is a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is met with conviction that can withstand any attack of the enemy against the spreading of the kingdom of God. So, how did Peter begin his journey toward trusting in the message and person of Jesus Christ? 
How did this transition toward conviction, not just passion, happen in his life? Well, tonight we're going to look at two specific instances in Peter's life. And we're going to see that Peter was set apart by Christ and then sent to learn about God's ultimate provision for him. Peter is set apart and he is sent in order to learn a very valuable lesson about God being the source of all Peter's needs and the provision for those needs. So tonight, let's look at two milestones in Peter's life. The first one is in Mark chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me. We're going to begin in verse 13. And so remember, we've already seen the disciples be called off a fishing boat. Now, he's taking some of the the disciples and setting them apart in an even greater way, making them apostles, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 3. And he, Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. Let me just take a moment and talk about that verse of Scripture, which should be a very encouraging word of Scripture to you. Those of you who have been called by Jesus Christ, those of you who feel the Holy Spirit living in your life, those of you who have devoted yourself to Christ, recognize, first of all, that that was not simply a decision that you made. That was the wooing of Christ through His Holy Spirit upon your life. And remember, Jesus calls you not by accident. Jesus called you because He desires you. Jesus calls to Himself those whom He desires. If you have been called, it's because Jesus Christ desired you to be called. What an incredible truth. What incredible truth. You are not a child of God by accident. You are not his disciple by accident. You are not in this room by accident. He desires you. He pursues you. And you simply respond. What a beautiful introduction to the provision of God in our life. Calling us from darkness into light is not our own action. It is the grace of God to us. It's wonderful provision to us. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out Demons. So we see here that Jesus is raising up a specific group of people, anointing them with specific power and authority to work out the ministry of Jesus Christ in a specific, anointed kind of way. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, who is a subject of our study. James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he also gave the name, that is the sons of thunder. I don't know what that is. Brangerous. Boaner, whatever. If I'm James, I'm thinking, Jesus, James was great. Why are you giving me this name? That's terrible. I'm going to stick with James. You can call it like our, our little friend name, like a secret kind of code name, but everybody else is going to call me James. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Cananean and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed But we see in this beginning of Peter's journey as a man learning not just to be passionate but also passionate with conviction is a man who was called 
and empowered. But you need to recognize on this journey with Jesus, as you and I learn to be a passionate people with conviction, that when Jesus calls you, he also empowers you. Empowers you for what purpose? Well, empowers you for when he sends you, because Peter was sent. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Beginning in verse 7. Here's what the Bible says. And he called the twelve, the ones he just appointed, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. Nothing except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, no no car, not a single luxury like Robinson Crusoe, primitive as can be. Gilligan's Island, anybody? Okay. I know that's really old, but I thought it was kind of funny. So they're not supposed to take anything. They're to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. They got a staff, what they got on their back, and sandals. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. If you read this passage of scripture, Jesus obviously commands some very interesting things of his disciples as he sends them out. Verse 8 and verse 9, Jesus says, Take nothing, no bread, no bag, no money, no belts, just wear sandals, one tunic, shake off the dust of those who reject you. What is Jesus teaching the disciples and what is Peter specifically learning during this time that he is being sent. So Jesus called him, he's empowered him, and now he has sent him with specific instructions. What is Jesus trying to teach Peter and the, the apostles through this? I think it's this. To proclaim the gospel, to live the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what he is doing that is so different, we must believe and trust in God's provision for us. Jesus said to them, listen, don't, don't bring bread. I'm going to provide you with bread. Don't bring water. I'm going to bring you with water. Don't bring a change of clothes. I'm going to provide you with clothes. Part of you being apostle, part of you being called, is to recognize that as I call you and as I send you and as I empower you, I will provide your every need. Don't trust in yourself. Trust that if I send you, I will provide for you. Further, if someone rejects you, remember that I desired you. I desired you first. If they reject you, remember I desired you and that their rejection of you is really a rejection of me. As you are an extension of me. Why is this such an important lesson for them and certainly for us today? Well, fundamentally, understanding God's provision is the heart of the gospel. God providing for us is the heart of the gospel. Our salvation 
That's God's provision to us. Our overcoming bondage, walking in sanctification, growing in Christ's likeness, also God's provision to us. Our ability to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and build the kingdom of God, furthering the overcoming of darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, also God's provision to us. Salvation. That's God's gracious act toward us. Done out of His good pleasure, Philippians 2.13 says. Remember Ephesians 2, 8-10. through 10, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, so that no man can boast. The act of salvation, as I said a minute ago, is not your doing. You did not, as a dead person... Wake up one day and say, oh, awesome, I have an opportunity not to be dead anymore. I'm just going to decide not to be dead anymore. No, in the same way that Jesus entered the tomb of Lazarus and proclaimed to him, Lazarus, come forth. So he walked into every one of our tombs and said, Dave, come forth. Owen, come forth. Jamie, come forth. Nate, come forth. Heidi, come forth. Amy, come forth. Forth, every single person in this room who has been called to life from darkness into light was done so by the overwhelming call of Jesus Christ upon our life. The same Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that inhabits each and every one of us. And without His gracious provision to call us from death into life, it would not have happened. Salvation is God's provision. How can you go proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ if you don't recognize his provision is the only way you know about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Sanctification, growing in Christ, overcoming sin, walking in light, choosing righteousness, not unrighteousness. Also God's gracious act toward us. This is something that we got a a great deal of time to think about at our retreat. Patrick Rowe, who spoke at our retreat, just blew our socks off the second night, talking about Colossians 2, 6. And here's what Paul writes in Colossians 2, 6. As you received Christ, so also walk in Him. As you received Christ, also walk in Him. How did you receive Christ? I just told you, by grace through faith. By God's gracious provision for you. How do you walk in Christ? The exact same way. By grace through faith. As God's provision for you. The example that he gave that I think is um, helpful for us tonight to understand kind of what we mean by this idea of walking by grace through faith is, you know, for some of you tonight, in terms of, of joyous things, if God provides you with a, a wife, for instance, that's a good thing. Do you see God providing you with your wife as God's gracious provision to you to know him more? It's not just great that you found a wife. It's great because God provided you with a wife to know him more. In the same way, on the opposite side of things, Patrick said, if God were to take one of my kids away today, if he were to allow me to lose a child today, do I 
by grace through faith accept that act in my life as God's gracious provision to me to know him more. It's a different kind of way to look at life, isn't it? The way that you and I trust, the way that you and I grow in Christ's likeness, the way that you and I mature in Christianity is the exact same way that God saved us by grace through faith in every circumstance. Whether good or bad, we trust that God is in control and he allows the situations in our life to help us know him and love him more. And that's God's gracious provision to us. How can I go proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ if I don't understand that I don't grow without him? That's what Peter and the disciples are learning. Every need they have, every struggle they face, God is providing for them. And then finally, the very act of ministry. What God is calling us to as the church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 real quick. Beginning in verse 7. So Paul just talked about the gospel, which I just unfolded for you, I hope. Verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given. Notice what he's about to say. His job in the ministry is grace to him. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I don't get to go preach the gospel. I don't get to write this book unless the grace of God is given to me, unless God provides me with the ability to do that. Otherwise, it's just empty words. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Verse 10, so that through the church, that's all of us now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities and the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Some of you are saying, Jared, I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. I know I'm supposed to spread the gospel. I just don't feel bold. Well, it's because you're not accessing God's provision for you. God's saying, it's my grace to you to be able to have the boldness to go proclaim the, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't have boldness, it's because you haven't walked by grace through faith. Possibly you haven't trusted by grace through faith in the salvific work of Jesus Christ upon your life. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. There Paul again is saying, look, I'm suffering, but it's good for me. It's good for you. I get to know Jesus better, and you get to know Jesus better as a result of my suffering. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly 
more than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The things that you and I desire to see the church do, the things that you and I desire of a church to overcome, and the power of Christ compelling us to overcome these things, poverty, injustice, uh, sin, and bondage, uh, human trafficking, depression, you name it. All the things that you and I turn to the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ to give us hope. All of those things do not happen unless the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence within us and moves forward through us in His, His power. Not our own. Peter's learning something very very instrumental in what he will do in the coming days and years in ministry. Jesus is showing them in a very small way what it is to rely upon him completely for everything. Small things, food, water, shelter, I'm going to provide for you. And when you trust me in those small things, I'm going to show you even greater things. I'm going to provide for you in a spiritual, supernatural way. You don't even know it's coming yet. You're in bondage to sin. You're oppressed by sin. I'm going to provide for you a way out of that. You just got to trust me. I'm going to call you to holiness. I'm going to say, be holy as I am holy. And you're going to be overwhelmed by that. And I'm going to tell you, the same way I provided for you now, the same way I provided for you in salvation, I'm going to provide for you in order to be holy as I am holy. And then I'm going to call you to go change the world. To build the kingdom of God by proclaiming the gospel, the mysteries that Jesus Christ has revealed. And you're going to say, Jared, you're going to say, God. Not to put those two intermixed. You're going to say, God, I can't do this. The Moses experience. I can't speak. I'm unworthy. And God's going to say, I don't care because I'm not relying upon you to do my work. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to provide for you. If I send you, I will provide for you. What are you afraid of? Then I save you by grace. Through, then I provide for you then. Then I push you forward in your walk with Christ. And I provide for you then. Now I'm sending you. You know, I think part of the reason so many of us are afraid to go for Jesus is because we haven't lived in Jesus. Sure, we'll take the saved by faith thing over here. We'll get the fire insurance, but I'm not relying upon him for my sanctification, for my growth in Christ. Typically, we just accept part of God's provision, but not completely. And they all build on each other. If you're having a hard time growing in maturity, my friends, that is not the result of a worship style on a stage. And ultimately, I don't think it's a person teaching the Bible. Now, they have a responsibility to teach it right. But someone can get up here and just read like a lectern off this thing. And it's the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling within you, you can appreciate the Word of God being spoken over you. It's not someone else's responsibility to bring you depth in your Christian life. It's the Lord's. He is providing for you. But you've got to seek after Him. If you have an issue with depth in your spiritual life, go back to your salvation. Did God save you? Did He provide for you? If so, then trust in that same provision for Him to grow you in His Word. 
in Christ's likeness. And if you have issues with going and proclaiming the word of God, God's calling you to go in the ministry field. God's calling you to do something extraordinary for the kingdom of God. And you fear, you don't understand why he's calling you to do it, then go back to your growth in him. Did God provide for you there? Did he provide for you in your salvation experience? Well, if so, then what are you afraid of? What are you trusting in? Ultimately, you and I must learn, as Peter has to learn and will learn as we study him, we have to learn to fear losing God's provision more than anything else in this world. Remember, there was a, a conversation between God and Moses before they were going into the promised land. God was sped up with his people because his people had once again turned their back on him and began to worship idols. And God said, Moses, just take your people and just go in the promised land, but I'm not going with you. You know what Moses said? Absolutely not. No. I'm not going without you. I'm not. You can have the promised land. I will stay in the wilderness. I will stay in the wilderness if that's where you are. Because the promised land is no good without you. Hear that. See it in your life. Too many of us would run to the promised land and leave God behind because we value the things that God gives us more than his presence itself. And you and I have to come to a point, if we're going to be bold people of conviction for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where God's provision is the one thing that we cannot live without. His presence in our life, the one thing that we cannot live without. You can have the promised land. I'll stay in the wilderness if that's where God is. We have to recognize that without the Lord fulfilling us and satisfying us, we would be wandering about incessantly, trusting in things that were never meant to fulfill us. Peter struggles with this truth initially. You'll see it as we walk through his life. There's a faith battle in Peter. Do I trust in my abilities or do I trust in the ability of the Lord? And I think this is also obviously a temptation that you and I face daily. Where does my help come from? Does it come from my job, my corporation, my talent? Or do I rely solely upon the provision of God? Some questions for you. Do you trust in God's provision for every area of your life? Or do you rush into things? Do you make rash decisions? If you don't, you will not be able to minister with conviction because something else will have at least part of your loyalty. If you're trusting in something else to provide for you, then that thing is an idol in your life, and it is at least stealing some of your affection from 
the Lord? Has the truth of God's gospel and provision taken root in your life? How do you know? Uh, there's this really cool um, story that Jesus tells, a parable about a dude spreading out seeds. And they hit all kinds of different kinds of ground. And I was reading yesterday morning, or the 11th, what is today, the 12th, yesterday morning, in this devotional I do, it's uh, by a guy named Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of all time. It's called Morning by Morning, and yesterday, in the morning by morning, uh, Spurgeon referenced Luke 8.13, which is in the midst of this parable. And here's what Jesus says about a seed that hits um, rocky ground, okay? The ones on the rock are those who, listen to this, people who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. They're passionate about it. They receive it with joy. Oh, this is great. But these have no root. The gospel and God's provision has taken no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. A time of testing. I'll be passionate about it now. But when something bad hits, I'm out. When troubles come your way, when times of stress or temptation are at hand, do you see them again as God's grace to you to know Him more? Or do you use them as an excuse to run away from Him? can't overcome this sin, Jared. It's been hitting me too hard for too long. It's a lie. Well, in some ways it's not. You can't. But relying upon the power of God in you, you can. And God may have allowed that in your life to seek after Him more and know Him more. Financial situations. Again, sometimes as a result of our own dumb choices. But even that, God can redeem in a way for you to know Him more. Failed relationships. Lack of relationships. Amen. All of these things in our life, God can give us to know Him more. Child of God, listen to me tonight. If he desires you and has called you, you will not be able to fall away from his glorious provision. So as we close tonight, as the band comes back up, do you trust in God's provision for you? Do you trust in God's provision for you? Do you trust in it to save you? Have you trusted in it to save you? Are you still trying to work your way to God? Can't do it. It's God's gracious gift to you. And growing in Him and holiness and maturity. Excuse me. Are you relying upon some set schedule or acts of service to please God? Or... Are you seeking after Him and, and walking in Christ as you received Him? 
Do you see all the things in your life as a child of God, as things that God has given you through His grace to know Him more? In the ministry God is calling you to do, are you allowing His strength in you to be the way that you carry out that ministry? Do you trust in God's provision for you? And finally, in what ways can you be thankful tonight for God's provision in your life? I want you to take some time as we sing tonight before you go to bed sometime and just write out a list of the many ways that God has provided for you. When you're in your bed, you can't think of anything, be thankful for the bed that you were in and the roof that's over your head and the cross, this church. And I promise you, once you get those juices flowing, more and more things to be thankful for. Because God is a generous God who has greatly provided for us in ways that we could never imagine outside of Him. And if we are going to be a people who are passionately convinced that the gospel is the only hope of the nations, then we have to recognize that same gospel as His provision to us to call us from darkness into life. If we're going to be ministers of the gospel, We have to look to God and God alone to provide for us, to satisfy us in ways that no other thing could. Father, I pray over us tonight you would continue to move. Your Holy Spirit would continue to take root in us, calling us, Father, out of bondage, out of captivity. Father, not by our own deeds or our own actions, Father, but your glorious grace to us. Again, Father, I pray freedom over us, pray gratitude over us and we bind the enemy from this room Satan has no place in the hearts and minds of the children of God be mighty among us I pray as we worship you for the glorious God you are in the name of Jesus